Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Well, good morning. It's great to see all of you, whether online or here in person. And, and today we're concluding our sermon series entitled Address the Mess. And so we've been in this series for weeks considering God's help with all kinds of relationships. And today we're concluding the series with a focus on uh, God's help with all of our relationships. Uh, but before we dive into that sermon, uh, I think it's important, as I've been praying throughout this week and just feeling a good weight from God, I think it would be, I would be remiss not to touch on the Supreme Court decision uh, that overturned Roe versus Wade this week. Most of you know, right, the Supreme Court removed the federal right to an abortion and returned regulation back to the states. And obviously, this has aroused a super strong response across our nation. For some who are celebrating this outcome, others who are lamenting it, and people of faith, to be honest, along that spectrum. I want to let you know that today, a little bit of how I see this issue, and also how I believe God is leading us as a church to see this issue recognizing that there will be disagreements and dialogue along the way. I believe at our church we should be and can be both pro-life and pro-compassion. Let me say that again. God's calling us to be pro-life and pro-compassion. So let me tell you what that means for both unborn children as well as the women who carry them. First off, this issue, I believe, is not a political issue. It's a biblical issue. In the Promise Presbyterian Church, we don't tell people how to vote. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. We have Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Independents, and everything in the middle represented here as a church congregation, and we should. We're all seeking to follow Christ, trying to find God, search out God and who he is in our lives. And so we don't tell you how to vote here. So our church isn't political, but unashamedly, we are biblical. We're biblical. We view the Bible as the very word of God inspired, breathed by him, right? useful for teaching, and, re, uh, teaching and, and leading us in all aspects of our life. It has the final authority and say on all aspects of life and faith. So as a follower of Christ, God's word is final. It's authoritative. It's grace-filled, and it's truth-filled, just like Jesus. And so in the Bible, no doubt, in the Bible, God talks about unborn children. If you look at Psalm 139, the great Psalm 139, where we read, I knit you together in your mother's womb. My eyes saw your unformed body. In fact, God declares to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, he says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I knew you. Which means that unborn babies are not just viable, but they're valuable. They're valuable. Every child is made in the image of God. Aren't you glad that that's the case? That means that your parents may not have planned for you, but God did. He made you. He made you with a plan. He made you with a purpose. And the Bible teaches us that the gift of life is sacred. It's sacred. And it's God's alone to give or to take. So we believe in the sanctity of life, caring for all people. Like Audrey said before, from the womb to the tomb. That's important, from the womb to the tomb, the whole piece. And it's our heart to serve and care for unborn children, expectant moms, and those, yes, who have suffered the trauma of abortion. We're called to care for all of them. 
So we're not just pro-life, we're also pro-compassion. And I'm, that's my goal in life. My goal is to be pro-compassion. What do I mean by that? It means to have special care and compassion for all. Compassion means to suffer with, to put yourself in the shoes of others. And so, so we may have opinions, we may have thoughts, and it's up to us as followers of Christ. Jesus left the comforts of heaven to come down to earth or to be in this dirty, grimy, smelly planet. Or he could have stayed in heaven where it was clean. No, he came to be with us and to suffer for us. So as followers of Christ, we're called to put ourselves in other people's shoes as well. And with great compassion, not only to walk alongside with people, but to put ourselves in their shoes, to listen to them, to be with them. And this applies, no doubt, to pregnant women, especially those who feel that life is so limited that abortion is the only option. The church, I believe, has a critical role to play here. And I'm so proud of the families in this church who have adopted children, fostered children, walked alongside single moms, and other churches. Right, the, the, I know there's a lot of critique right now in terms of this decision. Oh, where's the church? The church, okay, they could say that they're pro-life, but aren't they caring for others? In James, it says true religion is to care for the orphans and to care for the families. And the Christian church has been doing that for centuries. I believe God's calling us now in this season more than ever to step into that calling. Also, those who have compassionately supported and walked with moms, it's, I believe it's important for, the, for to us to realize those who feel alone and feel lost. As a church, one of our mission partners is Young Lives. Right? Different than Young Life, though connected to it, Young Lives comes alongside single moms. And we're actually going to hear from them as a mission partner in a couple, week, in a couple weeks. It's up to us to walk alongside those who are walking alone. So what did Jesus say, right? Jesus said they'll know us by what? Our love. The world should know us by our love. And love is the highest calling for believers. God loved us enough to send his only son. And it's the love of Jesus Christ that offers us hope and healing in a moment like this. So as we consider our response, my counsel to you, my counsel for myself is, for those of us who are celebrating this monumental ruling and what that means, I ask that we walk in humility. In a country that's so divided, in a country that's struggling so much, now is not the time for self-righteousness and anger. Now is the time for us to live like Jesus. Yes, to affirm the truth. Yes, to stand with convictions. And I'm sure there's all kinds of convictions around this room and online. And that's good. We need to wrestle with this question. But for those who are celebrating, not to do one in an error, an error with self-righteousness in this season. It's not helpful. I believe we're called to stand firm on our conviction, but also, again, to stand with arms wide open with compassion. For me, God has convicted me to ask the question, what am I missing? What am I missing? I think, hopefully that'll be sh something shared in my memorial service, that Jeff Lee was someone who asked the question, what am I missing? In humility. And so not if, but when others think differently than me, stand against me, or if I read things on social media that, that trigger me, I have to ask the question, what am I missing? What am I missing? It doesn't mean I let go of my convictions. It doesn't mean that truth is relative and I give it all up, but I ask, what am I missing? And some of the best conversations I've had, I think the, the closest times I've experienced what it means to be like Jesus is ask someone who thinks and lives differently from me why that's the case, to hear their story, hear their convictions, may not agree with it. We may be asking the same questions, come to different answers, but at least ask the question. I believe this is a season for that, for those who are hurting and wondering, does God really care? Does the Christian church really care? Because um, many are concluding that we don't. 
but Jesus cares, therefore we're called to care. We're called to live with grace and truth in all aspects of our lives. So for all of us, I believe a woman should never, ever have to struggle through an unplanned pregnancy on her own. So if that's you, that's you, know that I see you and we see you. We care about you and we want to walk with you and you're not alone. The church family's here and should be to come alongside of you and to care for you and have compassion with you. I believe this is a moment for the whole body of Christ to come together and to focus on the compassion that we see in Jesus who came full of grace and truth. And that includes those who believe differently on this issue or really any issue. Again, we're not political. We're called to be biblical. Biblical. Because they'll know that we are Christians by our love, not our social media posts, by our love and how we walk with people, listen to people, pray for them, um, recognize that there, there will be differences um, as we seek to make this move on, into the days and weeks and months ahead. I invite conversations around this. Unfortunately, not this week because my family's going on vacation, but next week after that, Love to have conversations with you about this as a church. Again, these are the tough challenges. We need to enter into these dialogue, be, enter into dialogue around issues like this. And say, what does Jesus have to say truly about this? How would he respond here and now in the 21st century? I don't think it would be either extreme. I think Jesus would find a way full of grace and truth to walk away where he would be pro-life and pro-compassion. Where those who think differently than him would come to an understanding and a sense that God cares, loves them, even if it means he may think differently than they do on a specific issue. Um, let me pray for us about that before we then dive into the sermon. This pretty much is the sermon, and maybe we should just call it here, but uh, maybe I'll do that. That'd be pretty awesome. No, but the fact that um, <laughs> we will come back to it. Let's pray. Let's pray. God... It is hard to be alive in the 21st century. This world is a challenge, God, and it is broken in so many ways. And we have an issue like abortion in front of us and the complexity of it. God, help us to walk this line. A line, Jesus, I believe that you walked, are walking, and would walk. To be pro-life in the sense of, of seeing not just the viability of a of an unborn child, but the, the value. And God, that you stand up for those who don't have a voice, always, we see in Scripture. And you would stand up and do stand up for that unborn child. But also there's compassion in the complexity of this world that we live in. And it's a broken world, Lord. It's not as you intended it to be. And so help us as Christians, as followers of you, Jesus, to not turn our backs on those who need your love and compassion. Whether those, Lord, who are facing this decision, those who have made this decision, Lord, and need to know, God, that you still love them. Oh, God, please pour out your grace, pour out your love, pour out your truth on us. And may New Providence Presbyterian Church be a church that loves like Jesus, lives like Jesus, and is full of grace and truth. Lord, help us to hold to our convictions, but not be self-righteous and anger in the process. Help us to love, God, like you have loved and help us to walk that line. It's a process. It's going to take all kinds of iterations to get there, both individually and as a church. But God, there's a watching world, and we want to point people to you, the light of the world. You are the one who provides the life-transforming hope that we all need. 
And may that be the case for us as a church. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen. shared a little more than I thought it there, so now to uh, switching gears, I, it'll be abbreviated sermon, which could be good news for some or all of you. So, so how appropriate, right, that um, you know, in a messy world, which I just described, that we're, continue, con- we're concluding a sermon series called Address the Mess. And I've been joking with some people. My family's about to go on vacation. We're about to take my mom and dad and my little sister and my sister's family and my family and shove us all into a house in uh, Ocean City, Maryland. I believe God has been preparing me for this upcoming week for eight to nine weeks in this sermon series to address the mess in relationships. And so I got to go live what I've been preaching. Um, All joking aside, um, we live in a broken world. And we've been considering the difficulties in relationships and God's help with all kinds of relationships. Right, whether it's in marriages, whether it's with being parents of children or being a grandparent to a grandchild. We've considered God's help with sex and sexuality. We've considered God's help with leaving a godly legacy, caring for one another, how to relate to our parents. We've considered our own, our own hearts. Today we're going to conclude by talking about God's help with all of our relationships, looking to bring a lot of these themes together. If you recall, we began after Easter Mike preached a sermon from Genesis chapter 4 about Cain and Abel and the mess of one of the first families that's recorded in the Scripture. And it's a messy one. Right? Two brothers, Cain and Abel, and it turned sideways really quickly. And the fact is that when sin entered the world and brokenness entered the world, every relationship was impacted. And we see that from the very beginning. And as Mike showed us and brought us through Genesis chapter 4, we saw two brothers, Abel, who brought a sacrifice which was, which was the best of the best, it was, a, it was the, the first option, the first piece of a fat portion of our sacrifice. So he, you could tell that Abel thought deeply. He cared about God. He brought his best to God. And then there was Cain, and we read in Genesis 4 that he brought some of his fruits. It was almost as if it was an afterthought. Oh, I'll bring something to God later on. It'll, it'll maybe check the box. And God looked favorably on Abel's sacrifice, but not favorably on Cain's. And Cain got white mad, white hot mad right away. And God saw that and graciously asked questions, longing for Cain to come back to him. But Cain ignored God and said, Abel, let's go out to the field. And he murdered his brother in the field. That's a mess. And so we've seen that there's been a mess in humanity throughout. Just look at human history. Open up any history book. And obviously we know there's been a mess. So how did God decide to address the mess? He ultimately decided to address the mess by sending his son by giving us a new life, a new way, and his spirit to live differently, to address the mess in our life and all these different kinds of relationships. Because we see the root cause of that mess. Ultimately, that root cause is turning away from God and turning and taking life in our own hands and trying to find our own way. So last week, we looked at a key point where we said if we look to someone else to be or do, we look to someone else to be God, or to do what God, only God can do, we're going to be disappointed every time. Let me say it again. Last week, the key point was if we look to someone else to be God or to do what only God can do, we'll be disappointed every single time. We need to let God be God and look to him first to fulfill, I would say, our soul-level need for love and acceptance. And then we can experience freedom in our relationships as we do that. So where do we look for help? So I just want to finish this series by looking at these key words from Jesus that really draws and calls us back to him. It's from John 6, 35. 
where he says this. He declared, I am the bread of life. Right? Whoever, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Right? Jesus said, I am the bread of life. This is the first of seven I am statements in the Gospel of John where Jesus declares his identity and, and what, who he is and what he does. The other ones are listed out. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I'm the shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. So what's the context of this statement? He says, I'm the bread of life. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people. And as he left them, they came looking for him. And they wanted him. He was the bread dispenser. He was, he was the food man. This is way before Uber Eats and DoorDash. They wanted the food brought to them. And they went to him. And they went to Jesus. But they were missing the point. He didn't just feed them physically. He didn't come just to feed physically. That, that sign that Jesus had in, by feeding them was to point them spiritually to God, to point them ultimately to himself, that he was the one that can truly satisfy not just their physical needs, but all of their needs, emotional, relational, and ultimately spiritual, that he is the bread of life. This has echoes of Isaiah 55, 1 through 2, which Jesus would have known these words really well, this invitation from God. Which God said, come, all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, and without money and without cost. Now listen to this question, verse 2. Why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Here, back in the Old Testament, is, a, is an invitation from God to come to him. And why? Why spend your labor? Why do all this for what doesn't satisfy? God says, I'm the only one who can truly satisfy your soul-level needs. And Jesus invited people to come to him. He is the giver of life. And Jesus invited people to turn away from going to anything and everything else that would seemingly purport to give life. And Jesus invited people to turn away from going to anything and everything else that would seemingly try to fulfill that soul-level need. But like drinking salt water would just get worse and worse. Uh, it's a deep hunger for God that we all have, and it can't be met by dessert or junk food. A pastor I've respected for many years, a great Bible teacher, mostly on the West Coast, Earl Palmer, in his commentary on the Gospel of John said this, Jesus is not the cake of life. Jesus is the barley bread, the poor people's bread, the basic and total essential source of life itself. We cannot survive without him. What a great quote. So yes, you're here, you're in church, you're joining us online, and so there's at least enough of a sense that, okay, yeah, Jeff, give us something new. Okay, Jesus is the bread of life, God's the source, blah, 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 we've been talking about this. Does this really matter? Yes, it does, because if we get this wrong, not if, when we get this wrong, that's when the mess occurs. So what happens when we don't do this? What happens when we do not get what we truly need? What happens when we, our deepest soul-level needs are not met by God himself? Well, the New Testament letter of James, he details this in James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, what happens. He says this, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. These are strong words to expect from James. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. 
In essence, saying you, you don't turn to God. So here James is saying, look, when a desire is not met, we all have desires. And especially if we go to other places besides God to have those desires met, and they're not met, then they become a demand. And they become a demand, then we enact judgment on other people and oftentimes get in fights and quarrels. There's a pattern here that if we don't look to the source, if we don't look to Jesus, who's the giver of life, who's the bread of life, that's where the mess comes about. James gives us the root cause of those troubles. He also gives us a solution. And it makes sense, absolutely. It's basic, but we need to do it is to turn to God, to ask God, to seek God, and to return to him. It's often less about the specific need or desire. It's more about that relationship, that connection to God, that God wants to bring us back. Are we looking to him? So if you want to address the mess, then start here. Start here. So kind of rehashing the last couple weeks, really bringing it home. God calls us to look to him and to not put pressure on others to be only what he can be. Let me say that again. God invites us to look to him and not to put pressure on others to be what only he can be. Now flip that for yourself. God, all, God also invites us to look to him and to not put pressure on ourselves to be what only he can be for others. He wants to give you that freedom. Can we take that back? Say, okay, I need to be this for my child. I need to be this for my spouse. I need to be this for our church. I need to be this in our community. If we try to be what only God can be, we are going to fall short of that. And that causes all kinds of mess and a disaster. So it comes back to Jesus when he said, I'm the bread of life. He said, remember, whoever, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. I mean, yes, he's not talking literally in terms of hunger and thirst. Yeah, we still will have to eat. We still have to drink. That's part of the reality of life. And even with him, as we turn to him, yes, we, will still, we still have to have ongoing dependence on him, but God's promise is that he will address the core emptiness that every single one of us has. We have a God-shaped hole in our heart that only he can fill. He invites us to look to him to fill it. And we can experience that in part now, and eventually we'll experience in full in his presence forever in the new heavens and new earth. In the book of Revelation, chapter 7, what a beautiful picture. Verses 16 and 17 picture, provides a picture of what this will be like. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And that's a picture of being in God's presence forever. And it's not just for the future and the new heavens and the new earth. God promises to give us a foretaste of that right now. As we look to him. As we look to Jesus, who's the bread of life as we come to him, as we believe in him. Um, so I want to give you one thing to remember, one thing to do as we wrap this all up. One thing to remember from this, not only this sermon, really from this series, is Jesus fulfills our deepest soul-level needs and gives us the grace to relate more freely with others when we look to him, look to him for all that we need. I add, as opposed to trying to get it from others or to try to be it for others. What's one thing to do? We're going to put this into practice in a moment is to identify one specific example of how you are looking to someone or something else other than God to fulfill your deepest need for God's love. And then to confess this to God, to agree with him on that, as a first step 
towards receiving his love afresh. It's both identifying it, but also sharing that with God, confessing or agreeing with him that that's the case. And saying, God, okay, now, now I want to receive your love afresh. We're going to do that in a moment. Before we do some questions for reflection as we finish up and as you think about this this week, what are some ways that people ask, what are some ways that people try to fill the longings of their heart? Sometimes it's easier to look at other people, right, and say, okay, what are other people doing to try to fulfill the longings of their heart? And then shift it personal. What are some ways that you are trying to fill the longings of your heart? Ask that question. Two, what are some ways that you could commit or recommit to seeking God and receiving his unique love in your life? Consider that. And lastly, what could change in your life and relationships if, if you look to God and did not look to others to be what only he can be and actually do in your life? I counsel you to consider this because the impact is real. If you lean into this, put this into practice, you will see a change in your relationship. You can't change other people, but you can influence your decisions and impact what's going on in your life and see what happens. Try and experiment. And of course, imagine if everyone put this into practice. How amazing would that be? And so yes, if you're married, husband and wife, commit to doing this together. Imagine that, that you don't look across the table being like, I want you to fulfill my desires and needs or vice versa. No, look to God first. See how that changes. Think about parent-child relationships. Right? Parents, you only could be so much. Children, you could only be so much. Think about as a church what that could look like. Think about that across the board. But it starts, you have to start with yourself. Hear the words of Jesus that he declared. He's the bread of life. Whoever comes to him will never go hungry. Whoever believes in him will never be thirsty. Let's take a moment to pray, and we're going to take a moment to confess, to find out something, to identify something to confess to God right now. Um, so we don't run off into the day and week and forget all about this. Let's take a moment to do that. Let's pray. Almighty God, as we've considered your word and we consider what Jesus shared, Lord, we take a moment now in this day, this June 26, 2022, to pause and reflect on where we're looking for life, where we're looking if it's another person or it's something else. Maybe it's a possession. Maybe it's an experience. Maybe it's a relationship. God, we ask now that you would bring this to our attention. God, where are we looking apart from you to truly meet our soul-level need for your unique love? Lord, here as we pray in the quietness of our hearts now, just sharing with you what that is, agreeing with you that that's in our life, and we give that to you in this moment. God, thank you that you love us, that you listen to us, that we could come to you with freedom and confidence because of Jesus, and we can share that. Now, Lord, I ask that you, have, as you've heard this from us, open up our hearts, create space in our hearts that we can receive your love in a fresh way today. And may that impact our relationships. God, we ask you, we beg you, we beseech you to address the mess in our lives, in our relationships. And may we look back to this spring and early summer of 2022 as the beginning of something that you began 
in and through this sermon series. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.